right, we should be live. So hello and welcome to Detention Live with the RPG Academy podcast Twitch channel. My name is Michael. Say that backwards. We're here tonight for Detention Live. Joining me as always, my co-host Chris. Chris, say hello to everyone. Hello, everyone. Like, I, like when I said it, like that sounds like a smooth intro, but something doesn't seem right. And then I got to the part where it doesn't seem right, but it's okay. Uh, joining us tonight as a special guest co-host is Grant. Grant, say hello to everyone. Hi, everybody. And again, we're here for Detention Live. We're going to start off with extracurricular, and that's where we just talk about what we've been up to lately. Movies, books, TV, whatever we want to share with strangers on the internet. Uh, Chris, buddy, what you been up to? Uh, let's see. Monday, I stayed up late, watched a little sports ball as the Michigan Ooh, Wolverines won the... Sports ball. Yeah, they won the college football championship. First time since 90-something. You can tell how close I follow sports ball, but uh, obviously it was a big thing being in Michigan. Mm -hmm. The University of Michigan is a huge thing, and I get to learn all about the controversies they went through this year from a friend of mine who's obviously a big sports fan, and I didn't realize they had that much controversy, uh, which to me was like a little soap opera for him to listen to him talk about everything, okay. and I was like, I guess so. Uh, otherwise, work got me pretty busy. Uh, the wife and I are starting to watch a new show, The Americans which new to us, I know it's an older show, but mm -hmm. it's pretty intriguing. I kind of like the spy versus spy thing. Um, and I uh, just watched the first episode of Echo, so I'm excited for that. We, I like uh, the first episode. I'm waiting to see where it goes. And this is, it did the whole drop, right? It was all, there's only five episodes and they all dropped at the same time? Yeah, but they didn't drop until 9 p.m. yesterday. I'm in bed by 10 because <laughs> I have to be up at 6. So there's no way I was watching all of them yesterday, so... One last night, we'll probably finish them tomorrow, Friday, Saturday type thing. Um, I watch that with my wife. When she's not here, I watch Suits because I mm. try to catch up on that. But I only get to like watch one episode at a time. So and that's a fun show if you like legal drama, legal soap operas, I guess is more what it is. It's kind of what it is, but it's pretty fun. So I see Skip's on tonight. Hi, Skip. Yeah, hey, Skip. Thanks for being here with us tonight, buddy. So, but uh, Grant, what have you been up to? Uh, not a whole lot other than uh, just I have a campaign that's heading towards wrap up. And so I've been heading, working on some of the, the finale stuff there. The household is probably in its some embarrassing number of watches of Blue Eye Samurai at this point. Uh, it may good. be my, my partner's favorite thing in the entire universe. <laughs> it was on my top 10 of like the top 23 review thing we did uh, yep. recently. Blue Eye Samurai. Very, very enjoyable. I liked it. Very, a lot. very good. Very good. Yes. Um, so she is probably double the amounts of what, at least. She's also writing a fanfic oh. of it. So she's do, watching a lot of it for research as well. So, like, nice. Um, so that that's what's going on. It's a uh, hockey season as well. So we're watching a lot of hockey. Um, our team is pretty bad at the moment, going through a little bit of a slump, but you know, just, just kind of enjoying the, the break, uh, kids back at preschool. So that's kind of nice and getting a little bit more time, just kind of having the house. Just wait. So. Mine's out of the house. Yeah. Much better. Yeah. <laughs> Don't have to wear pants every night. I'm not wearing pants now. Yeah. 
Oh. Uh, how about you, Michael? What have you been up to? A uh, little of this, little of that. I'm uh, continuing to to play Baldur's Gate like I'm back in college. Uh, just constant, sure. really, really loving that game. It it may be my favorite game ever. It may it mm. it's that good. It makes me want to be a better DM. It makes me want to learn how to make combats better because it is just so much fun doing the combats in that game, and it's a really good story. Like it's got it's got everything. Just I'm so into that game it's hard to hard to explain if you're not already into it if you are into it then you know uh but yeah it's absolutely a ton of fun yeah they nailed they nailed making dnd combat fun in that game yeah it's just they just did, nailed it. it yeah it's just it is so much fun i'm playing it with my kids which is cool nice. uh, i'm trying to get like maybe like a multiplayer thing going on just constantly constantly playing it uh, I'm, I'm actually rewatching Daredevil because uh, my kids had not seen that before, mm-hmm. um, and some of the more recent Marvel hasn't been that great. But I'm again, I really like the Hawkeye thing. I think Hawkeye. I'm a Hawkeye apologist. I really enjoyed the Hawkeye show, I, so I'm like, you know, maybe the Daredevil thing will be cool. So we're five episodes into the, the season one of Daredevil. Everyone's nice. really liking it. It's really Get good. To that. Get to that good hallway fight. Yeah, yeah. We we got to <laughs> yep. the hallway fight. That's great. Uh, you know, they, whatever you want to say about Daredevil, they nailed the, the, um, the casting. Charlie mm-hmm. Cox, perfect. I actually like Foggy. I think he's great. Uh, Karen Page, top notch. And then Vincent D'Onofrio as, as Kingpin, maybe some of the best casting ever. And I know they're about to do the new one, but then it got shut down because it wasn't going so well. But I'm of the mind that like, you know what? I'll applaud them. Like if it wasn't going well, shut it down. Agreed. Yeah, do it right if you're because they do have yeah. casting was so good. They have Charlie Cox back. They have Vincent back. Mm-hmm. Let's take our time and do it right. So I was actually kind of excited to see that it wasn't just going to get rushed out. So I'm I was okay with that. Um, let's see, TV wise again. I haven't seen any of the Echo, but I'm looking forward to it. I'll probably watch an episode tonight once we're done. I mentioned uh, still watching Monarch, Legacy, and Monsters. It's not my favorite show. It's like, it's kind of like not hokey, but it's kind of silly, but I'm enjoying enough to keep watching. And then um, what else have I been watching? I think that's about it. I don't think there's too much else going on. Um so we do have a few people watching. Skip's the only one that's checked in with chat, but we have a few people watching. Uh, we don't have a monster pick tonight. Speaking of monsters, so we're going to try something a little bit different tonight for our cryptozoology. So if you are in chat and you have a suggestion for what monster we should talk about, throw it in chat and we might take your um, your suggestion. I'm tr- I know I'm doing more. I'm constantly busy watching TV and stuff, but for some reason I can't think of anything else. So we will just move into 10 things because, again, the, the silly improv stuff seems to be a lot of people's favorite stuff anyways. So if you're new here, 10 Things is an improv game where we're going to take turns prompting one another to come up with a list of 10 things that fits the prompt. It's fun. It's silly. And hopefully we will have a good time. So, Grant, you're the guest tonight, uh, which means you get to go first in terms of prompting Chris or I, or you can choose to be prompted first. Do you have a choice or a preference, sir? Uh, I will be prompted. You will be prompted. I, I got one. All right. Well, later. That one okay. just popped in my head. Do it. All right, Grant. 
Give me uh, you and your partner's 10 favorite things about Blue Eye Samurai. Oh. Ooh, okay. Um, great voice cast. Nice. One. One. Excellent writing. Two. Two. Beautiful combat. Three. Three. Painterly animation. Four. Four. Uh, uh, there's a bit, it's a spoiler, slight spoiler, but there's a bit of friendship magic. Uh, uh true. <laughs> um, uh, cool setting. Six. Six. Uh, Kenneth Brana. Seven. Seven. Um, which I guess is part of the voice cast, but still. <laughs> uh, it, speaking of Kenneth Brana, a truly deplorable villain. Eight. Eight. Um, uh, a cliffhanger, which is also a bit satisfying. Okay, all right. Okay, all right. I can see that. And um, it's funny. Ten. Ten. Yeah. Peaches. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I can. I love Blue Eye Samurai. I just was so into it. I, it's not not a perfect show for me, but really close. Just really engaging. Really fun. So hardly, not much now, now negative to say. So yeah, I'm, I'm on board. I'd say he's the best, I'll use the word sidekick of any show. Yeah, I love Ringo. Ringo's great. And, and I don't know if sidekick's the right term, but I think you understand what I'm, yeah, what I'm saying. I gotcha. Yeah, the, the thing for me that I think I liked best is it, it did such a good job of being what it was. Mm-hmm. but it also was surprising. Like I, like when the first episode came in, I was like, okay, this is cool, but mm-hmm. I obviously know where it, what's going on. And then yeah. at the end of the episode two, I'm like, no, no, I do not know what is going on, yeah. but I still had an idea of like, I had a roadmap of my head of like, well, there's like these slight spoilers. There's these four people that have to die. There's eight episodes, so clearly every two episodes, <laughs> one of the four will die, and then at the end of eight, we will have wrapped up everything. Spoilers, no, that is not no. in fact what <laughs> happens. Uh, I was very engaged, very much enjoyed it, and uh, I heard there's a season two, so again, spoilers. They don't kill all four of them by the end of eight, but I'm on board to see where things go after that. Go. So, and the creator said they got like a four season plan. So, mm-hmm. see, I didn't know that. Here's open. Yeah, <laughs> I, but yeah, I'm on board. Happy to stick around as long as they would want to um, have story to tell. So, so yeah. happy for that. All right. So Grant went. Chris prompted. So I think the way that works is that Grant would prompt me. I think that's how that chain would work. And then I will sure. prompt Chris to wrap things up. I think that's how it's supposed to work. So Grant, what is my list of 10 things? Since you said you wanted, or we're watching Monarch. Yes. What are the 10 least convenient things for a kaiju to destroy? Oh, okay. <laughs> um, cell phone towers. One. Because, you know, this if you don't can't talk to people... Um, why is my brain not working? Um, chocolate factories, because I Ooh. like chocolate and without that, you know, um, nuclear reactors, because that's just, that's never good. Yep. Um, right. and then it makes Godzilla bigger too. I yeah, think. It would make them bigger, make right? Them bigger. Yeah, that's not good. Um, Costco, like, I mean, just without the samples and then where are you going to do your shopping? That's not a very a good thing. Four. Um, 
already mentioned a cell phone. So internet, internet providers, because without internet, no detention, right? Mm, fair. Um, fair. Chaos without detention. Chaos. Why is my brain not working tonight? Um, stand by. Yeah, just don't do what I did and inhale it. Oh man, I don't know why my brain is just not working tonight. So you've you've stumped me. Um, doesn't have to be reality. So um, I, already, I already went with chocolate factory. I thought that was like silly enough. Uh, just mm -hmm. candy in general. Just stomping on candy. Yeah. I hate it. Six. Um, dice. Because then you got that, woo, 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 and then they fall on their back, and that's inconvenient for them, but funny for us. Let's see. Um, bubble wrap. Just like a whole factory of, like, popping bubble wrap. Eight. Um, confetti. Confetti Nine. factories. That's not good. And um, ice cream. Ten. I'm hungry. You can't. Yeah, that was awful. That was so bad. I'm so sorry for. Sorry. It. No, no, it's not your fault. It's totally mine. Um, so I think then that means I will end this uh, with Chris, who hopefully will do a much better job than I have done. Uh, so Chris, what are your ten best remedies for a sore back? Oh, uh, rest. One. Uh, oh, you said you said rest, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. Rest. One. Uh, ibuprofen. Two. Uh, heating pad. Three. Uh, Wait. massage. Four. Life special massage. Five. <laughs> uh, a little bourbon. Doesn't Six. hurt. Uh, putting my feet up in the chair. Seven. A hot shower. Eight. Uh, the muscle rub. Nine. A little different than you, you know on it. The Ben Gay. That's oh, okay, what okay, I was okay, trying okay. to say. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> um, and uh, just having a pizza delivered always makes me feel better. Ten, yay! <laughs> yeah, I um, have bad back too, so I I just needed a tip. So, all right. So we're going to move into used books tonight's going to be a little bit different. Uh, Rather than Grant talking about a campaign that he has played or ran, uh, he has thrown into Discord recently this sort of character creation concept that he has been working on. Uh, he's going to tell us all about it. We might even create one together. But again, reminder, if you're in uh, the audience, if you have a monster you want us to talk about, throw it up now because we're moving right along. So Grant, tell us all about this character creation thing that's been going on. Sure. I had seen just kind of in my uh, my TTRPG roaming on the internet um, a blog by the name of TARDIS Captain's Blog of Holding has done for the last three years kind of a character creation January. But unlike what I put together for the Discord, um, there are no real uh, like prompts or anything. It's just create 31 characters. Uh, me, I find that like guardrails, you know, creates creativity. So right. what I did is I put together a little spreadsheet, uh, grabbed my copy of uh, Starforged and Ironsworn because they have those Oracle tables. If you're not familiar with that, they have 
you know, a hundred theme words and a hundred, um, like a hundred nouns and a hundred verbs and you just roll up and then basically you just combine the verb and the noun. Um, and then I just did that for 31 days um, in January. And then they also have a character description in Ironsworn and Starforge. And I just kind of rolled, rolled up just kind of a general descriptor. Um, so basically you have three words to describe a character. And then I found like a random generator for um, fantasy genres. Okay. And just had that spit out, you know, 31 kind of genres. So, for example, you're looking at like, so January 1, the theme words are inspect, device, energetic, um, and then it's a low level, and then the genre is swashbuckling. Okay, so so just correct, because I'm dumb. Because I wanted to play along. I thought this would be fun. Sure. But I thought it was like like a random, like, I didn't realize you went across. I, so I was like trying to like oh, randomly generate. However numbers. you want to, however you want to do it. <laughs> but, but then it was actually, it, it seemed a little bit, odd. it kind of felt like, um, cypher, cypher system to me, like the, the, you know, the honorable glaive who does things. So I thought, kind of thought that's what sure. we were going with, but then it didn't quite work out. Um, but still, I mean, so, so let's, let's walk through that again. So one more time. So, sure. okay. Yeah. So, so January 1st, so I rolled up the words inspect, device, the descriptor should be energetic. Then I rolled like a D20 and then got like a one. And then so I called that like low level. Okay. And then I, and then the genre that was kicked out is swashbuckling. All right. So let's, let's just, let's play along. So how would we put this together? We were trying to create a character. This is just sort of our inspiration we start with energetic. So what do we think this means? I can tell you what I came up with. If that works like. too. Okay. <laughs> so I also, for mine, and I did not include this for, for my table, but I wanted to uh, specifically challenge myself even more. And so I gave myself random classes. So I also came up with cleric for this one. So basically the one, what I created was a, basically a salvaged piece of farm equipment that was granted sentience by some divine force. And it used its, uh, you know, warring power or to become like an inspector to try and find the people that rescued it from the refuse heap. Okay. So it's a bit like a Zorro kind of Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock Holmes kind of swashbuckling inspector. Um, it is the device. I kind of took this one a little literally and it's energetic because it's being propelled by some divine force as well as it is a piece of equipment that needs, you know, fuel. Okay. So I took it, re I took this one real literally, but yeah, for example. Okay. Uh, Chris, I know you were going to try to play along with and do one as well. What did yeah. you come up with? Well, I just with ones he came up with, or that one, my first thought, and I went a totally different route kind of, 
I went to old school, um, they used to call them tinker gnomes. So they were oh, gnomes sure. that were inventing things and they were really energetic. And if you try to talk to them, usually you'd get a very long-witted answer that had to do with, well, the science says with this angle and that angle, we should be able to climb up the wall just by using these little things that I've made. Here, let me show you. You know, so it was always constantly coming up with little devices and stuff. And I pictured, you know, you're throwing a tinker gnome, so to speak, on a pirate ship going out there looking for some, you know, fantasy, the ultimate invention that he's heard about is somewhere on some lost island. Uh, something along those lines or, you know, the magical tools that'll create the thing that'll save the world. And he's out there on a quest to find it. That's more kind of the route I went. Whew, I had this weird tickle in my throat all night. And so one one of my players came up with a kind of a Han Solo y character in space looking to um discover some sort of giant's, you know, super ancient structure. And then he used I believe he used Starforged for that. So again, just my, my apologies. So this is something that your group is doing kind of like as an exercise throughout the mm -hmm. entire month. And you are collecting the characters that they're creating. They're not necessarily the characters that are going to be playing the games, but they're like NPCs, quest givers, sort of like you're, it's helping to like flesh out uh, like a world or is it just like a for funsy, let's just creative just exercise. For funsy, get the, get the creative juices flowing. Just kind of like, you know, I might use some of mine to make NPCs um, because I'm a forever DM. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, I, I, I create what I'm doing is I'm also just kind of like bashing my head, making sure I fully understand the system that I'm trying to like really get into here mm -hmm. and for the character creation. Cause the next campaigns we're going to do, are going to be full level up advanced by the. Okay. So I'm just I'm using this to like really learn the character creation. They're they're using different systems or what have you and just kind of experimenting. I'm kind of using this as like to brute force my way through understanding the ins and outs of the character creation system. Okay, no, I think that makes total sense. Uh Skip and says And if I get some NPCs out of it, cool. <laughs> even better, yeah. Uh Chris uh, Skip says it's the bourbon. It's water. Well, I'm mm -hmm. drinking tonight. <laughs> Well, maybe it's, it's well, maybe it's the absence of bourbon. Then. Yeah, maybe it's the it absence could be. of bourbon. Yeah. So the ones that I had come up with when I did my random generation uh, is I am a breach who is cursed and was shifty, low level uplit, which is like uplifting literature, like, you know, books about positivity and just like overcoming mm -hmm. that kind of thing. Um, I got stuck right away on the breach. Like I, I guess, um, I, I like my head. I was sort of thinking this is someone who is um, like a demolitions expert. Like they basically they are someone that that you know breaches building. Like I'm thinking like military, like breach. Sure. Uh, but then I also thought it could be someone who like somehow moved through, um like a breach, like world of Warcraft style sort of thing. Like they are, they went from one world to the other, uh, which could be part of like the, the shifty and the curse. Like they are shifting through realities. There's a lot of multiverse stuff happening in like popular media now. So I was thinking along those lines. So maybe it could be like a sliders situation of the TV show. I mean, not sure. like hamburgers where like they, they shifted 
uh, against their will or somehow were cursed and now they are lost and they are trying to get back home. Uh, but then that doesn't really help me come up with any sort of like, that. that's more of a situation of who they are and not the personality. So I kind of got lost here. I don't think I did a very good job. So I thought, again, I thought I would check in with you. Uh, Muddling Through also checked in to say they were checking in. So thank you for checking in, Muddling Through. <laughs> I tell me what you just said. I Quantum Leap. Yeah. And that's pretty mm-hmm. uplit, really. So, I mean, it's, it's sci-fi, but it's pretty uplit. I mean... Mm-hmm. That to me, at least be, some episodes for sure. <laughs> like, that could be a fun game if you have a couple players that all jump in and maybe an interesting, you know, okay, our my personality is going to jump into this body, but here's your new stats. Mm-hmm. You know, you're now, hey, you're a 49 year old chubby guy who just shoveled his driveway and threw his back out. Good luck. That's me, by the way. Um, but that, it could be interesting for somebody who has never been 49 and throwing his back out shoveling to try to role play and throwing. Yeah. I have no idea what that's like. Yeah. Yeah. You're not 49. Technically neither am I, but close. (laughs) Yeah. I'm I'm, I'm really (laughs) close to that. So I guess the, the thing that this makes me think of just uh, kind of in general is when you are as a player about to create a character, like what sort of other inspirations have we used or would we suggest for someone to use um, I don't want to get too far away from um, the whole prompt either. So I, I want to make sure that, you know, we're not just like jumping off board, but it made me think about, uh, so I'll start with you, Grant, since this was kind of your idea. When you're in general coming up with a character, or maybe since you're the forever DM, if a player comes to you and says, I want to play a character, but I don't know, like, what are your go-to examples for advice to give someone like, hey, this is what I would use for inspiration? So... Like as well, and a lot of this is what I actually did throw in here. I love the Iron Sworn Oracle tables. It's okay. just an Iron Sworn. You can pick it up for free. Um, Starforged, I believe, is is for for you can buy, but Iron Sworn, I'm pretty sure, is is for free. But they have just a bunch of very neat tables. Um, that you can just kind of roll and it'll give you good random words and you can kind of I mean part of I don't know if you've either of you have played Iron Sworn. I have not. Oh, nope. but basically it's it's GM lists. So basically it's just you it's a it can either be solo or you can play with a group or you could play with a GM. Um, but if you're solo, it's a solo journaling game and then you just kind of like roll um gives you words and then you kind of make the story out of the words and so like i just like grabbing a couple of words out of a hat and then just kind of helping people like because you know i i don't know i'm kind of lazy <laughs> and you know i don't want to pick the words myself i'll just roll some dice and grab some words yeah. <laughs> but like and then that's kind of fun and then kind of the more disparate the words are sometimes the more fun situation Mm -hmm. or character you kind of get um in my mind or you know ideally um other players at your table have a good idea and then you can kind of build off of what they have um or like uh scurvy knave said go to his tv shows any any good archetype from a tv show Mm -hmm. um or a movie or a book songs can be cool Mm mm-hmm yeah, I believe uh, Ty- 
Taylor, sorry, uh, it's been a while. Taylor uh, talked about that once they were using songs to like help generate mm. like plot, just like mood, like, you know, vibe setting sort of a thing. So different like CDs that they were listening to this a long time ago, uh, yeah. you know, Spotify streams, whatever the case may be, playlists uh, was helping to generate ideas for like campaign sessions, that kind of thing. Yeah. And then take a character from pop culture, switch the gender, boom, new character. <laughs> uh there's a lot of tv shows that that happens with it seems like there's this like hey uh, we don't have any ideas let's just take something we've done before switch a couple things and then put it back out that's right uh chris any thoughts from you like again again you're also often a a gm but uh, any thoughts when you are creating characters that helps you settle on style tone theme personality uh for me i i usually start with personality what personality do i want to play at the table and then i build the mechanics around that and i don't care if the mechanics don't necessarily fit exactly i i'll roll the dice and see what happens sometimes it's fun if the mechanics don't fit because then you want that kind of the struggle mm-hmm. um, i like that um, mostly what i when i make characters i just think of you know what do i not get to do in life every day and what do i want to do do i want to fly sure all right i'll make superman this week i don't want to fly i want to be batman <laughs> that kind of kind of thing kind of my my mood too mm-hmm. a little bit um, and then just what i think will be fun i do use songs a lot listening to the music and get that kind of mood that helps me get more in the mindset of the character mm-hmm. and kind of their their motivations and kind of their general attitudes um, but for me it's i don't have a like a real complex process i just sit down and think of something and i go oh, i like that and i just go mm-hmm uh, Muddling Threes is play your own personality, but with one change, uh, which you cannot break as a suggestion. Um, I, I, I don't want to say I have shallow characters, but I, you know, I generally tend towards comedic characters. Like I'm often sort of the, the, the jokey character. And again, I'm, I'm also someone who's willing to play any role. So if it's an established game or like we're starting from scratch and doing, we're doing session zero type stuff, ding, take a drink. And it's like, you know, this one person, like, I really want to be a fighter type or tanky type. Someone else wants to be the wizard. They're like, okay, I'll, I'll play the rogue or the support. Like I, I will fill in. Uh, but usually my advice, especially if it's someone who's new or newer to role playing is I'm like, just come up with like two things and then just lean really heavily into those two things. Because it's hard to come up with a whole new personality. Like there's, you yeah. know, that's not a, easy to do uh, on the fly. So one of the characters that was pretty memorable for me is uh, the two things I came up with is that they wanted to be a chef and that they were very forgetful. Like those, those were the two things that I hung my hat on. Uh, it turned out they were a Warforged. I think we were playing in an Eberron style game. And so then it kind of evolved to, they don't eat. So it was interesting that they wanted to be a chef, but they could not taste food. So they were constantly asking other people, what does that taste like? Like anytime they would go to anywhere to a restaurant or they would sit down and they'd be like, can you tell me what that tastes like? And then they would like try to make something and say, okay, now taste mine. Is it the same type of a thing? So it kind of became sort of a funny, funny bit they were doing. And then also the forgetfulness. It's like, Hey, we're ready to go into combat. Oh wait, I forgot my ax. So we start the combat. I don't have my weapons with me. So, you know, again, uh, lean into those two things really heavily to, to the bit. And then you kind of expand from there. Cause I, mm-hmm. I'm never going to be able to create a full personality, but I can create a couple different, 
things that I can then mold, you know, you mold into different situations to hopefully make them funny enough that people, other people are laughing. It's not just me. And it's interesting enough that it doesn't become aggravating because the forget your weapon thing is funny once. If it happens all the time, it starts to become a pain in the butt. But the, if you can get away with it yeah. one time, I think it works. I think the setting you're playing in is a good start too. Mm. Mm-hmm. If you're in a shadow of the demon Lord game, okay, that's going to determine how you're going to start a character off versus if you're playing D and D, you know, if you understand the settings, shadow of the demon Lord is not one you're going to kick the door down. Generally, if you play that type of character, it's a oh, good thing. It only takes 10 minutes to make a new one. Keep rolling <laughs> characters. <laughs> so that can change how you're building a character too. That way you, you really get into that setting and that mindset mm-hmm. um, or you know if you're playing a superhero game that's going to change your your style too so that's kind of one of the first things i look at whenever you know if you said to me hey let's go play this game all right what system what setting mm-hmm. what kind of rule system are we going to use that kind of stuff is a, kind of where my mind starts and then i build from there well i think and grant mentioned that like you know somewhat Somewhat jokingly, but they're, it's serious at the same time, is that, you know, you take an established character, you change something about them, gender swap or, you know, a setting swap, like you take a Batman, but you put them in, you know, D&D, or you take a, a barbarian and put them in, like, uh, superheroes. And that's, that's where you start. Uh, you know, first session, go, and then as the character should evolve over time. And I, like, to me, that just makes sense. Um, as a creative person, as, as someone who likes to role play, you know, often the way stories are built is you have a character who's introduced and over time you learn more about them and they evolve. And I think that kind of mirrors what it would be like in a role playing thing. Like, I don't know yet what this person is other than they're forgetful and they want to be a chef. Mm-hmm. But, you know, three sessions in, I'm presented with an opportunity to interact with an NPC that that brings out side of me that I hadn't even decided on, but in the moment, I'm like, okay, well, this is what makes sense. I've now established the truth that I'm also protective. And then maybe I'll kind of work backwards and go, well, why am I so protective of this particular NPC? Is it my nature or theirs? You know, and it kind of mirrors learning more about a character over a series, a show, a book, a novel, a series type of a thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, To me, that just makes sense. Because like like I said, I'm not going to be able to sit down and create a fully fleshed out character because I'm not fully fleshed out as a person. Like I, I'm very inconsistent. Like one day I'm like peace and love. And the next day I have road rage so bad that I just want to throw a brick out of my car window at some doofus who's blocking Mm -hmm. the street, you know, like I'm full of inconsistencies. So my characters are as well. That's fair. That's fair. I, I, well, you don't want to get, too crazy on the inconsistencies because then the other players will get frustrated. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think it's easier to be more consistent with a with a character that you're playing because you can just yes. be like, well, you know, you can apply the logic of the situation every time, the emotion, and just like like my it my play my character isn't going through the same things I am as a person where it's like works doing this, the wife, the kids, you know, good or bad or whatever the case may be, it's a little bit different. Uh yeah, I'm, I'm not fiction a method actor easier. when it comes to role playing. Yeah. Yeah, fiction is always easier. <laughs> fiction is always yes. easier. Yes, absolutely. Uh, so Scurvy Nave mentions that they have found that brand new players to the hobby will often start with one personality in the beginning and change completely before that first adventure is over. Um, yeah, yeah, I have. I have seen that. Okay, I've done it. 
I've done it with NPCs. It's it just kind of like you said, we as people are inconsistent and that can leak into our characters for sure. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, and Madeline Three mentions a similar agree to that. The tone, setting and tone can influence choices. Uh, you know, I've brought this up many, many times. Like our first ever actual play was called Made Men here at the RPG Academy now, like 14 years ago. God, we're old. And, um, you know, very famously, we had established that as an actual play. We had three or four sessions under our belt, and then we brought in a new player. And no fault of theirs, completely my fault as the DM, they brought in a character that did not fit what we had established. Uh, you know, basically, we were playing sort of like a, a mobster, Sopranos, Goodfellas sort of like setting, and then someone brought in a character that was more like a Three Stooges character. Like they were just <laughs> silly. And it's just like the tonal sort of shock of, oh, wait, these not meshing together at all. Uh, so obviously that person wasn't there for the whole beginning. You know, they kind of came in. It's not their fault, totally mine. But yeah, absolutely. You, un- unless that's the intent, like, there, you know, there can be fun, fun can be had with that, mm-hmm. you know, straight man in a crazy world, the person that's out of place, out of time. But that needs to be like a conscious decision, not just, is what happens. I, th- I think just like if you want to play the alpha character who doesn't want to go along, but everyone agrees that that's okay. Cause we know over time that that's going to shift mm-hmm. to something else. Okay. We're willing to put up with the, no, not the ignorance, the, the hassle now for the payoff later is different than someone who just wants to play a lone wolf. And that's just the, the you know, there is no forethought of how that's going to evolve over time type of a thing. Mm-hmm. So anything else about character creation? Um, again, I think most of us are mostly DMs. So it's, I guess it's more from like a, a DM side, but like, are you okay if four people want to play fighters, if four people want to play wizards, do you ever mm-hmm. say, Hey, we, you know, we need a balanced party. Is that ever something you consider or not? Like Grant? It is not something I ever consider. If they want to play that, Either I can balance it or we will find fun in the imbalance. Mm-hmm. So I'm uh, absolutely I the have, same way. Like I'm, yeah. But I want to know about it, which again, I'm hardcore into session zero. Again, take a drink these days where I didn't yep. used to be. Like I used to be where just people would show up. I have four people show up. I have no idea what they're bringing to the table. Mm-hmm. No one else knows what they're bringing to the table. And it was chaos. But today, if everyone's like, hey, let's, you know, I, I happen to roll a bard. I happen to roll a bard. I'm still going to know weeks ahead of time that I've got four bards coming to the table and great. That's going to be an amazingly fun time, but I want to know and prepare and kind of, you know, uh, massage the campaign that we're going to play or the, you know, the short sessions or whatever to fit that both for my own sanity, but I want to give them the fun because if they have four bards, they probably have an idea of what that campaign is going to be. And I don't want to like serve them exactly what they want. You know, there's fun in the, the, the unknown, but it also, I don't think, I don't think a hardcore dungeon crawl with like a bunch of non-intelligent or non-speaking monstrosities is going to, it's going to be as much fun, maybe like a one-off, but you need to establish that, like, you know, they're in a town, they're there for a battle, the band's concert, you know, that kind of thing. And then like on session seven, they get thrown into the dungeon and they have to fight their way out with people who have no appreciation for music. That's fun. But the first session, I don't think so. Chris, I kind of spoke over you. What were were you going to say about that? Um, I, I, to me, play what you want to play. 
I'm with you. Let me know ahead of time so I can kind of gear the, the story in that direction. The big thing, if somebody goes, oh, we don't want to play, you know, Wizards, for example. What's your hook? Why are you all together? What's that common thing that brought you together? Otherwise, you're just four wizards that are traveling. I mean, why are four wizards going to travel together? Are you after some spell component? Are you after some magical item? Is this now going to be a weird competition between all of you for it? Like, how, how am I going to balance out four personalities that may have the same goal? Mm -hmm. That's the stuff I want to flush out before we start. And then try to figure out how am I going to give you each your your moment in the story to match that. Right. But, yeah, play whatever you want. I can make it work. And if I can't, well, we'll roll with whatever didn't work and yeah. still have fun with yeah, it. Yeah, Rocks we'll, fall, everybody dies. Exactly. <laughs> we will find our fun somewhere. That's um, right. So somewhat connected to this, I know I've mentioned multiple episodes now, the last three or four I've been on, how much I've been playing Baldur's Gate and how much I love it. And probably like two or maybe even three years ago now, I did an episode with someone. I'm the the co-host of that is, is escaping me. But we talked about video games and just like what can video games teach us about being game masters. And we, you know, I talked about, I, th I think I was playing Mass Effect at the time. I don't remember. But I really want to do an episode just about Baldur's Gate 3 and yeah. like what kind of lessons we can take, not just from like combat, because they, they do combat very well in that game, but also like story. Um, again, have you been playing it, Grant? Are you familiar at all with oh, it? Oh, yeah. Okay, yep. Chris, you haven't. Played. I haven't finished it. I'm pretty deep into Act Three on my first okay. playthrough, but uh, so I, so no spoilers. But it it kind of makes me feel like Thirteenth um, Age. You're familiar with that game, right? I am. Yep. Okay, the one unique thing. All mm -hmm. of the origin characters, they all After, have a one unique thing that makes them different from every other wizard. You know, mm -hmm. and and it's tied into the story. They all have their subplots. So whether you're maining with them or you have them as a companion mm -hmm. and the, the variety of companions that you bring, I have found the, the more fun for me has not been combat as like, oh, well, the wizard and the thief and the barbarian fight this way as much as the barbarian, the thief and the wizard have these conversations right. about what's going on. Because, you know, there's some that lean towards good and you can, you know, just you can gain approval or disapproval based on your choices. So it really is to me the role play aspect, the story, I should say story aspect. I'm having more fun finding a variety of, of characters that I want to bring together. Combat's fun, too. Don't get me wrong. The game is so much fun when it comes to combat. But I'm having more fun exploring those personality interactions. And so mm -hmm. as a DM, like... Am I allowing characters to or players to create characters that are feel unique? They have their niche, but they also rub up against in the good ways. Chris, no, no, no laughing with the other characters that gives them that chance to have those interactions that I as a DM enjoy, just like sitting back and watching my characters play the or players mm -hmm. play those out type of thing. Mm -hmm. So I would love to at some point, and maybe if you would want to do that with me, Grant, sure. uh, I I just think there's so many lessons we could pull out of you know, that, that it, that you, we could take and translate to a pen and paper role-playing game. I think so. And like you said, even mass effect or those games, it's like, cause the combat you're gonna, you're competent enough to wing it with pretty much any combination of those groups. I'm sure. Mm -hmm. But yeah, the, the, 
just the side conversations that I have is like Boulder's Gate and like Mass Effect as you're like going up an elevator or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> those are the great little moments where you just like have to sit in and enjoy. I don't want to say like, too long because I know Chris hasn't had a chance to play it yet. Um, right. But I mean, you you play Diablo. I, I don't know if it's this. I know it's similar in some ways, but I don't know if it works the same as like, you know, the party structure and the interaction structure. But you, you play one character. Okay. If you team up with, with somebody else. Gotcha, gotcha. Diablo is build a character, farm equipment, kill things. Yeah. There is a story and they have seasons, but it's not heavy role playing. It's mostly, can you make a character that kills the main things? The big boss. Yeah, how many how many numbers can you get to fly off of enemies? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and there is that yeah. in Baldur's Gate three. You can absolutely play it that way, but I I found more fun in the 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 role playing aspect and the stories aspect of it. But um, yeah, I mean, like my favorite my favorite sessions as a DM are when I barely talk. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and mm-hmm. it's just like my players are just I'm I get all I get like a movie out of it, and I'm just like okay. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I love this. Yeah. Again, and I think, you know, some of that comes from time and experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes it just comes with, you know, the right kismet of players and personalities. You know, like we try to foster it, I think, as DMs, but sometimes it just happens. You know, it just, we're lucky enough to be be there yeah. when this this happens. But yeah, like, you know, it's like, I just like take the the hornet's nest, shake it up, and then decide to watch it for like That's an hour. Right. You know, it's like, yeah, go. Uh, that is absolutely a ton of fun. So I guess then my question would be, what can we do as DMs to try to try to foster that? Like, uh, what aspects would would you say are important? What are considerations we should keep in mind to make sure that that's fun for them as well as for us? So, Grant, I'll start with you. Uh, being willing as a DM to just kind of let like a silence creep in, and then just like okay, I don't have to say anything. I don't have to say anything. They got it. <laughs> and then trust your players to actually have it, I think is the thing that works best for me. It's just like, I can bite my tongue for a little bit here and they don't need me to step in and then they can just set up an interesting situation, keep your mouth shut and let them, let them fly. Yeah. I think, um, I think this is one of the difficulties that I have had with translating my in-person games to virtual games is that it's much easier when I'm in person to sort of read the table and know when silence is good and my silence will allow that to start to emerge versus they don't know what to do. So they're silently waiting for me as the DM to step in and go, okay, here's the next thing, or this has changed, you know, or, or this is the avenues. Uh, you can still do it. I just, I think it's easier in person to kind of feel that out. But I, you know, one of my big pieces of advice to give to DMs is to don't, not be afraid of silence. If, if your players are not role-playing as much as you would like for them to, or maybe as much as they would like to, Sometimes that's because as DMs, we are feeling that void of silence of like, okay, everyone's silent. Okay, this this happens next. And you just got to sit back and let that silence draw out until you realize, okay, is this a silence that will eventually be filled by role play? Or is this a confused silence where everyone's looking at me metaphorically or physically because they don't know what's happening? Uh, Chris, any thoughts on silence or how to draw out role play in your players? Uh. Silence could be good. Sometimes that just means everybody's thinking and processing. I I feel I'm successful as a GM when I'm quiet and they're talking. Mm-hmm. That way they're actually 
interacting with each other. So I try as much as I can. My goal is to get everybody interacting with each other and not just with me. Mm-hmm. Like I've run games where everybody just looks at me and goes, now what's next? Uh, what do you want to do? Well, what do you mean what do I want to do? This is your story as much as mine. So where do you want to go with it? So if I can get them interacting with each other and they're making the decisions, I think I'm being more successful. Mm-hmm. And I don't care if I put a bunch of prep in and they don't follow any of it. <laughs> I'll use it in another game. That's right. Yep. Or I'll use it later in that game. So I've had players say that to me. Oh, I don't want to ruin all your prep. Uh, what prep? Yeah, what prep? <laughs> That's usually my answer. And they're like, well, didn't you prep a lot? And I go, eh, I usually I'll fakely hold up a blank piece of paper and then right. go, Oh, so you're just letting us do it. I'm like, well, no, actually I have some ideas, but I don't care if we use them. Um, To me, half the fun is when they don't, and now I have to make up something new on the spot. Right. Otherwise we could just write a book, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Again, the reason there's a person on the other side of the screen rather than a computer is so that we can adapt and change and incorporate. Again, I'm around Baldur's Gate has done a great job, but there's also took... You know, there's probably millions of lines of code in that game and, you know, thousands of, of hours of deciding what might happen. That's not something I can do, you know, by myself. Uh, one of the other big things that I like to do to try to foster role play, uh, and I found a lot of success with this, is just say, this is a role play scene. And mm. I got some mm. pushback online a while back about that. And I think maybe I just didn't explain it very well, which, you know, internet's like that. But basically it means giving them a time when that's all there is to do. Like I mm-hmm. like role play while other things are happening in the middle of a chase scene, in the middle of a fight scene. But I did the thing where I'm like, okay, you're all sitting at a table. I just want you to talk to each other for a little while in character. And I just kind of like, I, I, I prompted them to do that. And you know, just like everything else, the first time it was a little awkward. Second time, second session, third time, third session. It got to the point where they knew it was coming and it got a lot more sort of free flow and people knew it was coming. And, you know, eventually people would be like, can we have a scene around the table? Because I want to talk in character yeah. to some people. Uh, I think, you know, I didn't like force them to, but letting them know that that's what this was about. Just like when you roll initiative, you know you're in combat, right? So it was like mm-hmm. kind of the equivalent of, this is a role play scene. So let's role yep. play that type of a thing. You know, yeah. Every other pillar has basically its markers. So yeah, you might as well just mark out role play. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not every group every time, certainly. Uh, sure. Crafty Hawkeye. I was talking about Hawkeye earlier. Uh, jumped in. First time chatter. So thank you for hanging out with us. It says it, it helps if each character has one, a reason for adventuring and two, a character goal. Yes. Completely agree with that. Agree. Hopefully those are somewhat aligned or if they are at odds, it's interesting. You know, the, yes. the, my character goal is X, but I'm adventuring for Y. How does that make me feel? Like, why am I doing it? If they're uh, unaligned, like you can get some juicy character moments. I would also even add to help with the role play, like a bond, mm-hmm. like a solid bond with one or more of the other player characters yeah good comment they're siblings they're rivals whatever and then they can play off of that yeah um you know 
and that that facilitates its own role play and that kind of goes to what muddling through the choice paralysis it's like well how do you act with your sibling there's pretty much like three ways to do it you're either gonna fight with them you're going to like you know whatever right stand up for them or ignore them exactly So, and that's, again, a big thing I've done, especially now I'm playing with my kids is on our session zero or first session, we always create bonds with each other. How does your Mm -hmm. character know their character? Like, I I don't do the thing where you meet at a tavern anymore. Like, I haven't done that in a very long time. When we sit down to physically first play the first game, all the characters know each other. And I say, you don't have to really like each other, but you have to like each other enough that you're willing to go on this adventure together. Like, that's just sort of a fuller plate. Mm -hmm. We're not going to play unless you've already agreed that we're we're playing the game today. Uh, it just makes my life a lot easier, and and I've got a lot more smooth from that. Um, I had something else I was going to say, and I lost it. So, Chris, what do you got while I'm thinking? Uh, I, I mean, we've talked a lot about online silence and communication issues. I think one thing that I've noticed helps me with, especially new players online, use your hands to signal. Like I've done it where I'm like, okay, I'm going to monologue here for a minute. So I want everybody to kind of listen to my character. I'll, I'll do this just so people know, let me talk. And then when I'm done, I'll go, you know, I might, okay. you know, that way people don't feel like, oh no, I'm stepping on his toes or mm. everybody's waiting. When, when do I, when do I step in, you know, things like that, that way people, you can still see some of that nonverbal communication you lose by being online. Um, also, I, I think it's fine to just tell people, you know, hey, if I s- step on you, I call it. I didn't mean to. Mm-hmm, I just, mm-hmm. something popped in my head, you know, oh, Grant said this, and I want to jump in right now. I'll, I'll apologize later if I stepped on you type <laughs> Exactly, thing. yeah. Um, just assume good intent, you know, again, right. especially if you're playing online yeah. where I'm, you, maybe you're roboting out or maybe you, you forgot to unmute or you, you muted, forgot to unmute and like, you know, there's lots of different things that could cause that to happen. Just assume that they meant it under the best possible circumstance and figure it out later, I think. Yeah, yeah I've, only, I've only ever played hybrid. Oh, okay. So you've I always have. had some home, some I've, in person? Yep. See, I don't so. know if I've ever actually done that um, where I've had one person in uh-huh. the room and multiple, it's either everybody's in the room or everybody's online. I've mm-hmm. never done it in the middle. I don't super recommend it, <laughs> <laughs> but I don't have, I don't have a choice. My gaming group split over all four different time zones. Yeah. So it's a yeah. challenge. And I, I, mean, I want to play and that's how we, that's, we make it work. Yeah. But we did it for a number of years with redemption with Andy being two time zones away. She would remote in and we did a lot of, I mean, we weren't streaming, but yeah, like I said a lot of hand signals of, you know, this man, I'm going to cut in. I'm going to cut you off. Yep. Like your character is going on a monologue and my character wants to cut you off. I'm going to do this. Mm-hmm. And then I, I, that was me telling you, this is a role playing moment, not Chris saying, all right, Michael, I'm done listening to you. This is the NPC wants to jump in. We're having an argument type thing. Mm-hmm. I think that can help. To, to kind of lead off some of that, we uh, have used uh, like uh, Zoom chats you know, private mm-hmm. chats to each other to be like, hey, I'm going to cut in right here. Yeah. Or or the, that kind of thing. Just, or yeah, hand signals work too. But sometimes if, because I, I am managing people in my living room as well as on the screen. Yeah, the chat sometimes. I use Discord chats a little bit too. 
to be like, hey, I'm going to do this. In about three seconds, this is going to happen. <laughs> I don't I don't think I could top that fast. Like, I would be like, I'm about to get It's too late. I missed it. It's, it's, yeah. I was going to. It's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> That's why we would yeah. do these mm-hmm. little things. So, you know, this is going to happen. Like, now. That way it wouldn't. And then we always checked in with each other, which we never put on the sh- the show but we do now we're, we're streaming we have those intense moments we'll mm-hmm. check in all right michael that you're cool right we just had an argument like that's all in character right you're not mad at me right. you know those type of moments mm-hmm. so that way people yeah i'm good man that was awesome i loved it high five which i think is important if people do get into those intense emotions mm-hmm. so that it doesn't bleed over into real life where you know michael and i had this cool argument and i think it's cool michael's really still mad right. at me for something we said in character which was in character. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, again, we don't know what's going on in other people's lives and, and maybe I drew from a well of deep you know, resentment towards someone I work with for this right. argument. And so I am feeling real feelings and that's one reason why I was doing able to do such a good job, but it's, it's sometimes hard to separate that. So it, I think it's just, again, hopefully you're playing with people that you care about, you know, ideally friends, yeah. Ideally, you know, yeah. Or you're friendly with them, family. So why would you not want to take a couple moments and say, hey, are you cool? You know, maybe it's take five. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. One of the things I was going to say, uh, again, more aimed towards newer people, because I, I, I have found that newer people often struggle with the role play aspect. I think it's easier to grok, hey, we're going to kill things for part of the game. You're going to roll the D20 higher numbers or better. Then how do you feel about this? So what I have found is sometimes it's easier to ask those questions and say, for example, like Sarah, you know, in your backstory, this happened to you. This is the reason why you're adventuring. And just today, this situation happened, which, how does that, how does it, how do you feel about that? You know, um, and it can help prompt, even if it doesn't prompt role play, it can be like introspective role play. Cause mm-hmm. I, I, again, as I get older, I have found that a lot of times I gain fun from stuff that no one else sees. Just like in my mm-hmm. head, I'm like, how does my character feel about that? Or, you know, I'm, I'm making decisions for what I might do next time this happens. And I enjoy that aspect. It's kind of like, I guess, like creative solo play. Uh, so sometimes I'll just ask me like, well, what do you think about that? And if it, if they want to inter- say, yeah, actually, yeah, I would be mad or I'd be sad or whatever. Great. But sometimes it's just for you and just, you know, take with you and you think about for a little while. I agree. All right. Agree. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yes. That's Role right. You got fun. it. Unanimous. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Well, we've got several people in chat. This is great. I, I love that you're here, some of you, for the first time or you're chatting for the first time. We do detention generally every other week on Wednesday. Sometimes things happen, but that's generally what we do. Uh, and it usually has sort of a loose structure of what we're trying to accomplish. Um, today, we've just kind of decided to talk about character creation and then also like how to sort of invigorate role play at your table. Uh, but usually every episode is kind of its own thing. Uh, within these categories. So uh, before we move on to where have my fingers been, where we will either lose everyone or solidify them as fans forever, Grant, any final thoughts on character creation, um, in anything along what we've talked about so far, any final words or anything to wrap up? Sure. Um, yeah. Um, like I said, my group has really been enjoying this character creation January. I picked a system that is probably way too hard for me to really keep doing because my goodness level up advanced 5e it is that is a long create character creation process but 
because take D and D and then add add a bunch. <laughs> um, so, but I I don't know. I like it. And then what I think really helps with character creation, just as general, is give yourself some guardrails and then just try and try and get creativity out of borders. I know that's kind of like a. I don't know, kind of a square thing to say, maybe, but well, I like, think so. I think restrictions breed creativity. Like I really, do. I think they do. It's that whole, like, if you have a blank sheet of paper and you can draw anything, some people will take that and other people are like, I don't know. And right. I image for like, when I was a kid, we had those things where it was like, they would be like a J sort of like a half S and they would mm-hmm. say, okay, take that. Now use that and draw something. Yes. I loved those prompts. I love that too. And yeah. I think, that can be the same thing. So if you're a GM and you're like, okay, I want to play in a world where there are no dwarves. That's fine to say there's no dwarves in your world and to say, mm-hmm. hey, can I play a dwarf? No, you can't because they're all nope. gone. That's part of the game. Uh, so I think sometimes those restrictions actually do help. Uh, but to take it back to Baldur's Gate 3 for a moment, let people respect themselves. Like I yes. think that's one of the most genius things that game does. Yep. Is and like, I've always done it with my players too in yep. TTRPGs. It's like if you're not liking it, just I don't care. Right. I will let people take feats retroactively. It's like I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> I want you to have fun. We're mm-hmm. all learning together. I'm I'm self-admittedly the worst rules guy on the planet. So if <laughs> someone makes a bad choice about a feat or a spell or a weapon mm-hmm. or whatever, and two sessions in, they're like, I'm not having fun doing this. Change it. I'm not going to say Change you are it. stuck with that and, or kill your character. I'd rather mm-hmm. you just, your character's always been a wizard. So they were a sorcerer last week, they're a wizard today. Who cares? Who cares? Just Who cares? Okay. So. And then, like, maybe if you want to throw a story reason in, sure. Yeah. But otherwise, just like, I don't care. I mean, if you have a have good fun. one, sure, but don't feel like you have to. Because then right. you can get a exactly. thing where, like, if three people do it, then that becomes the story of, like, are we in a multiverse? Are we you right. know, variants of each other? Maybe, but it doesn't have to be. All right. right. So, sorry. Uh, Chris, again, any final thoughts here about anything we've talked about so far? Uh, I always tell people with character creation, play what you want. Be brave. Nothing's a dumb idea. Bring it to yep. the table. We'll have fun with it. That's my philosophy. And I do what you do or what you just mentioned with, hey guys, I want to GM this game. Here's the idea. Here's the world I want to play in. Please build a character that fits in this world. Let's go. So like, for example, Dragonlance, I did ask them not to play Kenders because Kenders are, can be tough to play if you don't understand them. And if, you know, I had a couple of players that don't know Dragonlance. So I said, that could be very frustrating for a player that doesn't understand why is my left shoe keep ending up in the Kenders pocket? It's just what Kenders do. So everybody didn't have any problem with it, and everybody made characters they like to play. Mm-hmm. Great. So Not For The Views has jumped in, also first-time chatter. So welcome. Thank you yeah. for being here. I uh, hope you enjoy your time with us. Uh, we were just wrapping up what is normally called used books, which is in detention shows. It's kind of the uh, largest section. But today... Um, we are going to move on into our Where Have My Fingers Been, which is our second little improv game that we do here. Uh, for the record, we are bad at this, so we are not mm-hmm. trying to teach anyone how to do this. This is just for us to embarrass ourselves. But Where Have My Fingers Been is an improv game where you prompt, we'll take turns prompting one another again to create a short scene that involves two or more, if you're feeling froggy, little pantomime uh, puppets that are involved in the scene. 
And we try to have a beginning, middle, and end. I usually leave at least one of those out because I think it's funny. Uh, Grant, you are the guest again tonight, so you get to choose if you'd like to be prompted first to create a scene or prompt Chris or I first to create a scene. Prompted. Okay, so once again, we're going to prompt you first. Uh, Chris, do you have something for Grant? If not, I can come up with one. Um, I mean, I can come up with something real quick. All right, but we have um, to sing the song first. That's the requirement. So, Grant, do you remember the song? Where have my fingers been? I say, where have my fingers been? You got it in one. It's like he's been doing this one. his whole life. Um, let's go with something that, that came up in my household recently. Uh, two, we'll just say partners, that uh, their partners are gone. And they're, they're in the house for the first time. And they're not used to having control of the TV remote. Okay, I'm sorry. Can you re <laughs> reprompt that? Probably too complicated. For example, in my household, I always have the TV remote. So when mm -hmm. I'm leave, my wife gets lost as to what to do with it. So you have two people who aren't used to having control of the TV remote are thrown together and said, watch some TV. Hey, you see that on the table? Yeah, what's that? I think it's the remote. Oh, um... Okay, are we going to use it to watch the TV? Yeah, but I don't know how it works. Oh, shoot, me either. Uh, all right, well, let's just sleep instead. <laughs> and that's there where your you fingers go. have been? That's, <laughs> and that's where my fingers have been. <laughs> all right. Very close to what happened. All right, so Chris prompted Grant, so that means Grant would then prompt me. Uh, so again, this oh. is for New York Tater. If if he ever comes back, this is for you, buddy. Where have my fingers been? I said, where have my fingers been? Um. Okay. So my dog is barking. By the way, if you can hear that, I don't know if it's two. Okay, two people walking a a bear that they think is a dog. <laughs> Okay. So you said you just adopted this thing, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. It was great. I went to the adoption agency and it just looked so lonely and it was like, it was in a cage that was meant for like a lot of animals, but there were no other animals in there. Um, and, and you didn't think that was weird? No, I just, I figured that all the others got adopted cause he's, you know, he's kind of a big boy and, you know, take a lot to feed him. Um, did, did, do you know what a bear is? Yes, of course I know what a, and that's where my fingers have been. <laughs> hey. Surprise ending there. Yeah. Yeah. Surprise. Surprise. Yeah, exactly. Just cut out something in the middle. All right. Um, muddling through, I had to drop out. Thanks for being here. Hopefully we'll see you next time. All right. So Chris, I will prompt you. Right. Where have my fingers been? I said, where have my fingers been? Your fingers. Um, are at a crime scene where it appears that a man has been mauled by a bear. <laughs> uh, wow, that's a mess. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what, what do you think happened? Well, I think something chewed on this. Oh, yeah, looks like a leash. Who would chew on a leash? And why is the leash as big as my leg? I don't know, that's a good question. Why don't you chew on it and see if it works? That is silly. That. Uh, why are you now chewing on it? Well, you said you wouldn't. 
Well, look, we got to figure this out. So let's follow these giant footprints that might be from something roughly eight feet tall and about a thousand pounds. Uh, I don't think that's a great idea. If it already ate one thing, how do we know it won't eat another? What are the chances of that happening? <laughs> and that's where my fingers are at. Oh, we have a, we have a whole like cocaine bear thing happening here. That's right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> So that is uh, where have my fingers been. That's about as good as it gets, folks. So hopefully you enjoyed that. Uh, the last thing that we normally do here is called cryptozoology. And this is where we take a look at a monster, usually from D&D, but it doesn't have to be. Uh, we talk about ways that maybe we have used these monsters in the past. We kind of brainstorm some ways that we could possibly use them in the future. Normally, we come to the table with a monster pre-chosen. Didn't do that tonight. Uh, we asked the audience earlier if anybody had any suggestions, and uh, Skip had mentioned talking about minotaurs and specifically the difference between minotaurs in like standard D&D versus Dragonlance. Uh, if you're not aware, Chris is currently running a Dragonlance campaign, the official one that came out, you know, uh, I think late last year or, early, or earlier last something, year. Something like that. Um, so, Chris, can you give us a kind of the overview of what minotaurs and dragonlance are like as opposed to quote unquote standard Faerun minotaurs? Uh, in dragonlance, minotaurs are an intelligent species. They're not your mindless monsters that are stuck in a maze or the mindless monster in the, the dungeon that just wants to eat you. Um, they are pirates for the most part. Scurvy Nave says they're Klingons on boats. Oh, that's a great description. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they are I mean, most of the time they do dedicate themselves to Sar Sarganus. Hopefully, I said the name right. Um, one of the gods that's considered one of the evil pantheons, but they're they're more about uh, the honor and glory that they get as a minotaur. They're not necessarily out to prove that minotaurs are, you know, misunderstood. They're out there just to do what they want for the minotaurs and for themselves, uh, in a way. They, you did have a few that were honorable. Kaz the Minotaur was uh, whom, one of Huma's friends and Huma was one of the big knights that you hear a lot in the stories. Uh, there were a few others, but mostly they were more like, I mean, you could actually play them in the Dragonlance setting. They were a playable race or species, however you want to say it now. So not quite your typical, just mindless, you know, Mongo Ichu. They were more Mongol punch you, then eat you, then prove he was better kind of thing. Um, they're also not depicted quite as bestial. Like the feet aren't quite as described as being quite the cloven hooves because they do describe them wearing boots at different times. Uh, but they still have the horns and kind of the, the minotaur face. I like it because it's a different concept on the concept of a minotaur. Um, I think it was kind of the early ideas behind not everything is just an evil race mm -hmm. that wants to kill. Um, I think it was a neat spin on them. And I think it gave you another avenue for your bad guys to come in on, especially if you want to do a setting on boats. Because D&D didn't really have that, but now you have kind of these pirates that are set up. And you know if you're out there traveling and all of a sudden you go, oh, that's a Minotaur ship. You're like, oh, let's set the sails. Let's go go faster. Go Move faster. Away. Yeah. So um, I do not, have a question. Not quite like the Reavers and Firefly, but, you know, similar. Okay. And, and I, as always, 
probably am wrong, but I used to be into like mythology. Like I was that, mm-hmm. you know, that nerd in, in school and in grade school that read all about the Greek mythology. And my understanding is that the Minotaur was trapped in the maze and could never get out. And that when they threw a victim into the maze, it was because they also could never get out. And eventually they would run into the Minotaur and the Minotaur would eat them, right? So yeah, I had never right. understood in D&D why Minotaurs have like, they're really good at get, getting out of mazes. <laughs> like it should be, I, I want to play a Minotaur who gets lost in like a two bedroom apartment. Because they are so bad at figuring things out that they, they keep getting turned around. Because I feel like if the Minotaur lives his entire life in the maze and it never figures the way out, it must not be good at that. So I feel like they did a disservice by making them good at getting out of mazes. Yeah, and I'm, I'm not a mythology buff. I, were they put in there and they couldn't get out? Or were they cursed that they could never leave, but they knew their way through the maze. See, then that could be the thing that I'm misunderstanding because I it's been a very long time since I've read any of those maze, yeah. but I thought it was because they couldn't get out, but it could also be that they were cursed to not get out. But I still think it's yeah, funny to play a Minotaur who gets lost in like the kitchen. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah that would be me some days. Yeah. So Grant, uh, uh, any experience with Dragonlance Minotaurs or non-Dragonlance Minotaurs? Uh, so I am playing, or I'm running, I'm just about finished with Odyssey of the Dragon Lords, which is Greek adjacent. And there are, you can play as Minotaurs. There are Minotaur, I have an M- Minotaur NPC um, who hangs out with the party. His name is Bullbug. He's an Olympic athlete. He's a... Uh, a very fun guy. Is he a discus thrower, javelin? Uh, no, he's a runner. Oh, okay, fifty yard dash and runner. a wrestler. Okay, makes sense. Does yep. he skip leg day? Never, never. But he never, especially skips chest day. <laughs> <laughs> really tiny arms, though. Yeah, tiny arms. <laughs> real tiny arms. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, minotaurs. Uh, minotaurs are fun. There's a bad guy minotaur in that campaign who's pretty fun. He uh less get doesn't he less goes through mazes and more can just phase through walls mm. if i recall it's been three years probably since i had to run that bad guy in that campaign so uh but yeah minotaurs minotaurs can be fun again it's like uh i like the you know non race essentialism where you know everybody can be everything in a heritage which is you know like what I would think should be true for sentient species. <laughs> You'd think. You know? Yeah. <laughs> to an extent, you still can't escape your nature. Especially if that's how you're brought up. But that's a whole other yeah, philosophical debate. Yeah. I've not really used Minotaurs a lot. I, I, I have only ever used them as enemies. Um, I just, I've never ran in a, in a game where they were a playable class. Uh, but I do like them as... Not necessarily like the the big bad, but a big bad, an obstacle where, yes, you can fight them, but is there a way around them? Is it, again, you're in a maze and you can just figure out the maze or is it, there's there's some way to trick them or is there something they want, like they want out of the maze? Like, hey, if you don't kill me, let's figure this out together. I like to use, in general, I like to use monsters in ways other than just, hey, hit this with a stick until it stops moving. Um, But they are a fun Thing to hit with a stick because you know they're 
I think they're well enough known in like popular culture that people can clearly visualize. Sometimes when you talk about it's an ug tug, you know, or whatever, you know, what some of these things hard to conceptualize. But when you say it's a minotaur, I think most people yeah. can kind of reference that or there's popular media. You can you can find some references online pretty quickly. They're very strong. They are very mm -hmm. stubborn. Uh, they're going to charge at you with their head down. They're kind of like Rhino from Spot from Spider-Man game. If you play a Spider-Man game and there's a Rhino, at some point you are going to get in front of something, yell out, and then get out of the way so that yep. the Rhino hits the thing behind you. That's exactly how a Minotaur should play in a D&D game. <laughs> like the way that you should win is get force them to stick their horns into like a tree and then run away type of a thing. Like if you're not doing that, I think you're doing it wrong either as a player, as a DM, or both. All right. So anything I've, else? I've on used, the oh, go ahead, please. I've used them a couple ways. I, I've played them as they're more intelligent um, and they're trapped in the maze or they're cursed and the PCs find out that they can free the Minotaur. And then once they do, they actually learn that that was a bad idea because now he's free. <laughs> they were trapped yeah. for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I've also played them that they're the mindless monster, maybe not necessarily in the maze, but you know, you have to then defeat them and get whatever you need. Um, I have more fun with any monster of making them a little different than what they should be. There's some sort of surprise in there. And I think Minotaurs, you can do that because you have a lot of options with them. Especially if you throw them in Dragonlands because like I said, they're an intelligent species that have goals and they have a plan as a group of what they want to do. And their faith. Depending upon what timeline. But anyways, it's another story. <laughs> All right. Well, very cool. Well, thank you again for the, the suggestion early on for that. Um, so the last thing we usually do here the very is, is audience Q&A. If anybody who is watching would like to ask some questions of the three of us, usually it makes sense for them to be role-playing game related, but they don't really have to be. But we do reserve the right not to answer something if we don't want to. Um, while we're waiting for any questions that might come in, I always like to go around the horn one more time and let people kind of introduce themselves or reintroduce themselves. And then where can we find them if you would like to interact with people online? Uh, Grant, I think you said you got rid of social media, so you pretty much can't find I you sure, anymore. I sure did, and it's been lovely. Um, I'm on I'm on Discord though. You can find me hopping around in the RPG Academy Discord. Yeah, that's uh, mostly where I can be found. I am still on Facebook, and I do have a blue sky, but I don't really use it a whole lot. But I am officially off of Twitter uh, forever. I will never be going back unless something drastic changes <laughs> with the ownership and direction of that company. Um, I don't miss it, though I do miss, again, I, I, have, I met some very lovely people through Twitter. So I do. I, my Twitter used to be extraordinarily well curated, yeah. and I do miss that, but I, I'm never looking back. Yeah. Hard time. <laughs> Uh, I got I got Discord. That's that's fine. That's all I need. So it just uh, reminds me of like a, the '90s chat rooms, <laughs> and I love it so much. <laughs> so the RPG Academy Discord is a closed community, but we will let anyone in who asks. But you do have to ask. It, it is a ask in, invite only sort of situation. So if anybody is watching now or listening in the future, then you would like to join us there. Just reach out. You can email me at the RPG Academy at Gmail, and I will send you uh, an invite. When we first started it, we it was open and we had a bunch of spammers jumping in and dropping stupid stuff. So we just closed it and, and it's worked out so far. Uh, Chris, where can people find you if anyone would like to? Um, I do have a Blue Sky account, just Chris Berlou. Um, I check it maybe once or twice a week. I don't do much with social media. Um, I just... Don't have the, I don't say the time, but it's just not my thing. Uh, Discord's usually the easiest place to find me, or 
here every other Wednesday or starting up on the it'll be the 25th, I believe. We're going to get back into doing the Dragonlance. Nice. We took some time off for the holidays. It was just too much with everybody having kids and schedules and stuff. So we're going to get back to it on the 25th to finish that up, which honestly we're real, real question, uh, real close to the end, I should say. Um, so that'll be fun. I think, oh, Scrivenave just asked me when it's going to be started. So, yep. Time yeah. traveling shenanigans. Yeah, any time traveling shenanigans. Uh, not with this group, I don't think. But maybe no. I don't know. Never say never. never. Say yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> time but travel is always an there. option. Yes. Yeah. Um, otherwise, uh, redemption. We're going to be starting up back up in February, but we're switching to every other Tuesday Ooh. instead of every other Monday, since I uh, have freed up some time in my schedule. Tuesdays work a little easier for me. Mondays are usually like I'm a little mentally spent so it's a little easier for me to switch over to tuesdays um i think we're starting up like february 20th ish don't quote me on the exact date because i don't have a calendar in front of me um otherwise uh yeah find me on discord that's probably the place i check the most to be honest with you all right uh, i will mention i'm going to river city con this coming weekend so two days from tonight uh, myself and my youngest will be going to louisville playing at river city con we've got signed up for some call of cthulhu uh, a dnd 4e game and uh, alien the alien rpg mm -hmm. with mr dragonbane who was our guest last time uh, he's going to be running that game for jacob and i so very much looking forward to that um yeah i think that'll do it so again a couple of you that were brand new tonight are I hope you had a good time and hopefully we'll see you back in a couple of weeks. We do a ton of different stuff here at the RPG Academy. We have well over a thousand episodes in our catalog, interviews, reviews, actual plays, discussions, interviews. If you name it, if there's something RPG related, we've probably talked about it at some point in time. Uh, but we will end tonight as we always end things by saying, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. You're doing it right. Thanks. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye everybody. Bye.